0: Welcome to The Legal Lowdown. I'm your host, Diana Bodette, and joining me today is family law attorney, Rui Alves, to talk about the legal impact that COVID-19 is having on families that have separated, divorced, or are sharing child custody. Rui, thanks for joining me today.
1: Good morning, Diana. Thank you for having me.
0: So this is such an important topic for so many families. Maybe we could just get started by talking about what kind of disruptions you're seeing families struggling with right now.
1: Well, in any family court or potential family court matter, folks struggle with all sorts of issues relating to the children. COVID has created a number of complications, especially regarding child custody, Mm -hmm. both legal and physical custody and also the way the courts are operating during COVID. And we're finding that families that were having struggles pre-COVID or pre a potential or an actual breakup of the family unit are just finding that COVID is compounding these problems, sometimes many fold.
0: Yeah, I would imagine. Very stressful time. What can parents do to sort of mitigate the disruption, if they're on the verge of divorce, uh, as well as if they're already divorced? So
1: if folks are either contemplating a divorce or been served with papers for a potential divorce or a potential child custody dispute, it's important that if they can speak to their significant other or the other parent to try to establish guidelines Primarily, scheduling is very important um, mm-hmm. in terms of where the children are going to be if the parties are not going to be living together. Having a clear schedule is extremely important to um, create a expectation for the children to see where they're going to be um, and also to try to minimize any fights or disruptions that the parties um, will get into in these type of cases. Communication is not the best at these times in their lives and COVID tends to make it more complicated. It's important that the parties try to establish some sort of guidelines with respect to COVID. What happens if they become exposed to someone who has COVID? What happens if they themselves test positive? What happens if the children are exposed or they themselves become COVID positive? How are they going to quarantine? Where are they going to quarantine? And it's important also that the parties uh, think about how they're going to communicate this information. You know, It's very important that depending upon the different factors in, in their lives, some of them may be high risk to COVID. And in certain situations, we've seen cases where parties will not communicate either that someone's been exposed to COVID or that one party actually has COVID. And that can create a very disruptive uh, situation for the parties, the children, and other people involved, whether they be extended family, grandparents, other significant others. So I would say one main way is to uh, have clear communication and expectations as to what would happen if something uh, were to arise.
0: Okay. And what happens, or how would you counsel a client who disagree on what they consider safe COVID behavior, you know, avoiding COVID risk?
1: First, we tend to look at what the courts themselves would do in these situations. Mm-hmm. Um Many courts are looking to the guidelines that have been set by the CDC and also the state's Department of Health with regard to how the children and the parties should be behaving, interacting, conducting themselves, given what's happening in that particular state. Uh, this is a very fluid situation. You know, having practicing in both Rhode Island and Massachusetts, one of when COVID originally hit was what do we do with interstate custody or or parenting time orders? And um, there finally came out some guidelines that said you have to uh, adhere to those guideline orders. But again, those don't necessarily trump certain quarantine issues or certain issues if people become positive. So it looks as if the courts will generally follow uh, what's in the best interest of the children all the time, but in that determination, they're going to look at the CDC and Department of Health guidelines. But they're also going to you know delve into what the situation has been are there any extenuating factors with regard to health factors or people who are more higher risk to covid and ultimately uh, a lot of it comes to common sense which is important you know we have folks that are first responders that are in the healthcare industry they have shared you know custody or shared parenting situations um and a lot of them have luckily taken it upon themselves to just use what's in the child's best interest to make sure that the children have the least amount of potential exposure to covid.
0: Okay. And then what about the all important covid school scheduling options? You know, different areas, everybody, parents right now are getting a choice and that's going to change. And like you mentioned, this is all so fluid. Um, But how would you counsel clients if they disagree to whether or not it's a hybrid model or remote learning or whatever the choices are?
1: This is a very hot topic. We are constantly seeing it. We are constantly having to uh, counsel clients who either want where there is a choice in some cases, they can either do in school learning or distance learning or some sort of hybrid model. Um, and we've had situations where parties uh, disagree as to what the children should be doing. Again, we we look to the, um, to the Department of Health for their guidelines, but we also try to determine if there is a really genuine basis for this concern. In certain instances, we found out that there isn't. It's just that, one party is looking to spend more time with the children, and therefore thinks it would be great if they were home. But in other times, there have been situations where people have very serious health concerns, and they're concerned. You know, they're quarantining themselves; they're not leaving their home. They're in some cases they're working from home, and they minimize their contacts with the outside world. And it's potentially life-threatening to have the children both from going from a, um, a school environment to not. The other issue is. We're looking for guidance from these from the different school districts and school departments. i have I was on the uh, call or video hearing with a court today in Massachusetts, and the guidelines just came out from this particular city in Massachusetts. That's so what they will doing. and they ultimately decided it's going to be one hundred percent distance learning. It's hard for parents to make that determination. So the first is determining what is actually going to be happen happening and trying to see if they can work it out. And, in, and if they can't, we have had situations where we do need to go into an emergency setting with regard to a court hearing where we're going in um, asking the, the court for uh, some emergency relief with respect to where the children would be. Okay.
0: And in terms of the courts, where are they at? Are you, know, are you going to court? Are couples showing up in court or are they doing it via Zoom?
1: So the courts are primarily hearing cases via Zoom uh, or WebEx, which is another um, platform that's being used with respect to hearings or cases that are ongoing for the most part. In certain instances, if there is an emergency, one can petition and actually try to see a judge in person to get emergency relief, but many times it's going to be heard uh, via video. The other thing that folks need to consider is trying to avoid emergency situations, trying to plan ahead, trying to come up with contingency plans. If what, what happens if school shuts down and as a, if, if, in fact, kids are going to school, what happens if someone, um, is exposed or test positive because the courts are in some way, Um, hearing these matters in a very different way than they were pre-COVID. And access to the courts is not necessarily limited, but it's just being done in in a different way and may not get parties the quick answers that they're looking for.
0: Okay. So it sounds like they're just a little bit more complicated, but moving. And you had mentioned for ongoing cases, are there new cases happening? If someone wants to newly file or petition for divorce, can they?
1: Yes, absolutely. uh, The courts are open. Um, They're uh, accepting new filings. They're scheduling hearings and they're scheduling them mostly in a virtual format. And it's very helpful for clients because for the most part, there's a set time. They're going to see the judge at a particular hour on a particular day. They're not driving to the courthouse. They're not taking maybe the whole day off of work, especially if they're working virtually. Um, They're not In some cases, sitting in a courtroom waiting to be heard, and it allows the parties to have more of a, in some cases, more of a relaxed setting because they're usually at home, not standing before a judge in a courthouse. There are some drawbacks to that uh, particular setting. If we're having an actual hearing before a court, there are some potential limitations in terms of what the judge can see and can observe from the parties. In in some cases. the presentation of certain evidence, you'd have to submit it ahead of time. So uh, there is some limitation. The other limitation is that the court is currently not scheduling in-person trials for the most part. There are some exceptions to that. So folks that are expecting to have an actual trial is going to be probably a while away.
0: All right. Um, And in terms of healthcare decisions, are you seeing any issues popping up between in a co parenting situation um, on healthcare decisions for children? Or is that running as smoothly as before?
1: It seems as though, with respect to healthcare decisions, I have noticed that folks are tending to be a little bit more reasonable. The telehealth has helped with certain access to, to healthcare uh, for the children. And I think that that has created um, less of a shuffle to get kids to certain appointments because the doctors are, you know, having these um, virtual consultations. But I think that healthcare decisions, for the most part, tend to be some of the least contentious issues, unless, of course, there's a very specific major decision that one party completely doesn't agree with, or, and that can tend to lend itself to a, a more complex litigation.
0: Okay. Um, are there any other factors that have come up that you wouldn't have anticipated?
1: In terms of the scheduling, in other words, parties either are, were entering into a new schedule, if it's their first time filing a custody case or a divorce case, and then some parties have had schedules that have been in place for a very long time. None of them took into account COVID. And Some people have been able to rearrange their schedules, be able to co-parent and work out something that would work for the children and the parties to advance both the children's educational needs and the party's ability to co-parent these children. The real disruption comes with parties who have completely different views on how uh, the children should be educated, perhaps in some ways protected from COVID, and those views were probably ingrained in these folks well before COVID. And you compound it with a pandemic, they'd be just become more apparent and need to be addressed in a more efficient and probably timely manner than you would perhaps, say, a summer schedule where the parties just don't agree what's going to happen in the summer. Normally, there would be a timeline you could file ahead of time. That's why it's important for anyone who's either in the situation or anticipates the situation coming up to speak with an attorney, it's equally important for them to speak with an attorney as soon as possible and early on to discuss some of these situations, to discuss potential options that may be available to them, because most folks realize there's going to be a problem, and they tend to uh, be very optimistic, which is wonderful, but eventually there is a problem, and then there's Asking for a remedy within a very short period of time, which may not coincide with the court's timeline of how they would address these cases. So it's important to talk to an attorney about the potential issues to get an idea as to what the court may do and what if I need to jump into court and also um, what's going to happen post COVID. A lot of times people are entering into these schedules, they're significantly changing their parenting time. And some expect that after COVID, it's just going to go back to the way it was. And I'm not sure if the court's going to agree with them. So these decisions that they're making now could impact them, not just during this pandemic, but for many years to come.
0: Okay. Yeah. So it's important to be prepared for that. Rui, what is the best way for clients to reach out to you or to another attorney? Is it in person, by phone, email? What's happening right now in terms of client appointments?
1: So our offices are open virtually. People can contact us via telephone or email to schedule an actual consultation. And that consultation may be telephonically, that consultation may be via Zoom, or in some cases we are doing in-person consultations, socially distanced with masks in our in our offices. But again, it's important that people contact us on the earlier side, because uh, issues that they think may be minor, may be more significant and more complicated, and as opposed to folks who think they have a very complicated issue, but we may be able to discuss them and work through those issues relatively quickly. But it's important that you contact an attorney as soon as possible to try to uh, avoid having a situation where you may not be able to get the relief from the court in the time that you need.
0: Okay, thank you. And it may be helpful for listeners to also know that Rui speaks both Spanish and Portuguese. Um, So if you do need help in terms of um, somebody that can understand those languages to make your appointment and arrangements easier, we can accommodate that as well. And for anybody that is interested in reaching out, you can find Rui on our website at www.bglaw.com. You can also email him directly at ralves at bglaw.com. And on our website, we have a lot more information about our family law group, and um, there are client alerts and other updates uh, that you can find as well. Rui, thank you so much for joining me today. I appreciate your taking the time. This is a big topic for a lot of people. So I think that this is going to be helpful.
1: Thank you so much, Diana, for having me. And I appreciate the time to to go over these issues. And I hope that everyone has a, a safe school beginning year, but understand that there are professionals out there who can help you when you need them.
0: Thank you. Thank you. And best best of luck and health to your family as well.
1: Thank you. The content provided in this podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended to constitute legal advice or to form an attorney-client relationship. If you would like to seek legal advice from a Barton Gilman attorney, please visit us at www.bglaw.com or call 888-273-9903 for more information.
0: Barton Gilman serves clients throughout the Northeast with offices in Boston, Providence, and New York, offering legal services in a wide variety of matters, including medical and other professional liability defense, premises liability and business litigation, education law, employment, family law, insurance coverage, trust and estates, criminal defense, corporate formation, and intellectual property. The firm and its attorneys have received numerous awards and accolades including Best Lawyers, Best Law Firms, Best Places to Work Rhode Island, Outstanding Philanthropic Business, The Common Good Award, and Super Lawyers. For more information about Barton Gilman, please visit our website at www.bglaw.com or call us toll-free at 888-273-9903.